Are we living to die or dying to live? Is life just being born and living to work, eat, feed ourselves, have some fun, only to check out uh, sooner or later and that's it? Or is life an opportunity to give your life to something greater than you? Maybe you've been living for yourself and you're very unhappy. How's it working for you? The key to joy, if joy was an acrostic, it would be Jesus first, J for Jesus, O for others, others second, and Y for yourself. That's, that's the key to uh, health. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, neighbor, self. Awesome. Awesome. We had a funeral in here yesterday. Uh, over 75 people. Many of them were unbelievers, maybe most of them. And when a preacher does one of those, it's a great honor. It's like, awesome, they're going to listen. <laughs> a captive audience, right? They come to honor a person's life. And, uh, but how am I going to do this? Because I didn't know the deceased, and I need some help. And when it came time for people to share with the open mic, only one person did it. It was our own Sierra. It was her daddy that died. Sarah's definitely a believer. And, but there was a letter they wanted me to read from a nephew in jail. And his letter reflected on his love for his uncle and the good memories they had. But it ended with these words, that, uh, playing off the fact that he left suddenly. He went, he went to Switzerland to see a sister and, and died over the Christmas holidays, 56 years of age, gone. And he wrote a letter to everyone in the crowd. Your day is coming you got to be ready to meet God. Are you ready? It's time to get right. Oh, man, that was a perfect segue into preaching, preaching the gospel. But is that the purpose of life, just to live and then have people say nice things about you at your funeral? Hopefully they do. I heard one preacher say, you know, for those of you that care about people's opinions, you really need to check yourself and get in touch with reality. Because at your funeral, they're going to say nice things, and then after amen, they're going to say, where's the potato salad? That's people. That's it. So are we living just to die and that be it? Or are we dying to live so that others can live? Are we giving our life? So turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4 and to Psalm 116. Jesus said... Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, for me, will find it. Plenty of people have given their lives to great causes, but there's no cause greater than the kingdom of God. And there's no way to enjoy life and find your purpose and find your life than in being willing to give it up for the one who gave his life for us. That was in Matthew chapter 16, Mark chapter 8, Mark heard the same statements being made. And a modern translation records Mark 8, 35 as saying it like this, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, you will find true life. So the sake of Jesus is something to give our lives for, and the sake of the gospel, the story of Jesus, to see it spread, to see it penetrate our culture, our neighbors, 
our enemies is reason enough to live and to give our life. Luke recorded it in two places. Luke 9, Jesus said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross, his cross, daily. Tell someone every day. And follow me. So what is, what is my cross? Well, I have my will to deal with. And I have his will to deal with. And when my will surrenders to his will, that's the cross, wherever that falls in my life. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Now brace yourself. This sermon is going to fly in the face of what you may here being preached on Christian TV, this is your year, you know, you're going to have a baby this year, you're going to do great things this year, this is your year that your ship's going to come in, all this stuff. God's going to do a new thing, he is doing a new thing, and the new thing is new life flows through us when we give up our lives for the sake of his kingdom. In Luke 17, it's recorded that he said, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. Well, pastor, you got to use wisdom. Well, you got to be willing to give up your wisdom. Whose ways are higher than our ways? Whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts? Whose words reign supreme over the universe? Amen. So this is wisdom. We want to give up our life for his purposes. Are we living to die or dying to live? 2 Corinthians 4, let's start with verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. So he's not denying reality that things can get tough in furthering the gospel, in serving God's purposes, in being a light on the job, at school, even at home. But those things do not have the final say if we're willing to let him reign. Can I get an amen? amen? Verse 10 describes what he just said. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. He told the church in Philippi like this. He said that I may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. It's against the backdrop of the sufferings of Jesus that his resurrection shines the best. Like a diamond in your hand is beautiful, but it's most beautiful against black velvet, right? The contrast is awesome. And so we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, like the song says, but not destroyed. Why? Because resurrection's coming. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. This isn't just about heaven when we die. This isn't just about the future. This is now. Christ's life being expressed through people that are willing to love like he loved willing to be slighted, willing to be offended, 
willing to be mistreated, willing to not be valued, willing to be unappreciated for the sake of the furtherance of the good news in the world. Always, tell someone all the time. So he, to these people in Corinth of Greece, a church that he started, was living, in, living this out. For the gospel to, to carry, maybe you're not facing any resistance from the enemy. Maybe you're not being a threat to the enemy. He's only got so much ground to cover. His kingdom isn't having babies, so they, they have to be territorial. And so as soon as you become a threat, then here comes some attacks. So maybe if you're going through some tough times, it may not be that you've opened a door or you're doing something wrong. You may very well be doing something right. And the power of the resurrection is yours to look forward to and to walk in in expressing the life of Jesus to people that are not worthy. People are not worthy of God's grace. But having received it, we have something to give away. He died for me. Let me live for him and be willing to die for him. Sometimes it's just letting the person that pulled in front of me who got the parking spot I wanted, extending the mercy, you know, Give them the love sign and not the good luck sign, as a Beverly Hillbillies thought it was when they visited Beverly Hills. <laughs> so always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. And then he says it again two more times. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So I'm just not feeling the power. I'm just not experiencing God's activity in my life. Start laying down your life. Give up your rights. Give up your selfishness. Prefer someone more than you. Serve your spouse. And then he says it again. So then death is working in us, but life in you. So the recipients of his letter, which includes us, are benefiting from his suffering, benefiting from his taking up his cross and following Jesus. Some preachers would say, well, Paul just didn't understand faith, otherwise he wouldn't have written anything about this. And those very preachers will take things Paul said about faith and use it. This book is not a recipe book to pick and choose what you want. You're not going to the cafeteria. We're coming to the Word of God to eat the bread of life. And if you can endure this sermon, it will change your life. There is such joy, such fulfillment when you begin to see the fruit of your suffering for the purposes of God. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Are you tired of being easily offended? Are you tired of being hurt? Are you tired of being prejudiced? Are you tired of feeling overlooked? Are you tired of constantly battling a sense of injustice and always having to get prayer? The answer's in the truth. He must increase. I must decrease. Can you imagine how John the Baptist was tempted to feel? There he is in prison. If he was like us, he might ran and rave and say, God, what is this? I came into the world with elderly parents who didn't know how to play with me, and I served your purposes. I wore these rough clothing, ate bugs for a living, and drank honey and battled bee stings, constantly wet from baptizing people, proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. I baptized the Messiah. I introduced to him, uh, my followers to him, and they leave me and follow him, and here I am in jail. How is this fair? 
I don't think he did that, but he did send some messengers to Jesus. Are you really the Messiah? You know, <laughs> did I fulfill my mission? And Jesus said, go tell John these things. The dead are raised, the sick are healed, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And here's a word for us. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. It wasn't long till it became obvious that John had a dotted line on his neck. He was beheaded. As Keith Green sang, we all need to pledge our heads to heaven and be willing to fulfill our purpose. The last chapter in the Gospel of John has a story of interaction between Jesus and Peter. Jesus asking Peter if he loved him and Peter saying that he loved him. And then Jesus made this prediction pointing to Peter's death. He was going to die as a martyr. This is not good news. Peter's not saying, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> he tried to look at John. John didn't get this bad news. He said, what about that guy? Jesus said, if it's my will that he never dies, and he's alive when I return, what is that to you? You follow me. So John's going to follow him. Peter's going to follow him. John's going to be tortured but not die from a martyr's death. Peter's going to be tortured and dying a martyr's death. How is that fair? It's not fair. But it's not the end of the story. We need to stop looking through a keyhole and think we know all that's going on. We don't see the big picture. Amen? Amen. How we see things affects our experience. It affects our belief. What we believe affects how we feel. If someone texts you, you know, you had a family member die in a car wreck and you believe the text, you would experience all the emotions even though it was a lie based on your beliefs. So we've got to get the eternal perspective. The king reigns supreme and sure, we're called to carry our cross. Sure, we'll have opportunities to experience great inconvenience. Sure, we'll be tempted to think Things are not fair, like John the Baptist could have been tempted and Peter was tempted. But the story ain't over. It will be worth it all. Romans 8 says, the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared, not even worthy to compare it to the glory that shall come. But we're not talking about our eternal reward. We're talking about our earthly influence. Are we willing to persevere when we're being slighted? Are we always going to rant and rave about our rights? Now, there is a time to stand up for your rights. There is even a time to get a lawyer, call the police when injustice is happening. But all the time, right? You're not getting burglarized every single day. There's a time to die and let Jesus live. Let Jesus reign. You know, all the parables have a pretty much have an aspect that, depending on how you look at the parable, could be unfair. The guys that work all day get paid, paid the same amount as a guy that works an hour. That's not fair. But Jesus said, this is what my kingdom was like. The faithful son doesn't get a party thrown for him. The prodigal son does. This isn't fair. The 99 sheep get left behind while the shepherd pursues the rebel that should have been just allowed to go or barbecued for lamb chops? Not fair. 
there's a church in Australia that did a series of videos. You can actually find these online on the parables highlighting the fact that it's not fair. And so they got the sheep saying, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. Sounds like us. Preoccupation with fairness will keep us distracted from his righteousness that he's imputed to us. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. It's all about his glory. It's all about people giving him, him thanks. It's not about us always getting trophies and badges and recognition. It's about him, his glory. Therefore, verse 16, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God sees all. He's going to deal with injustice unless the person repents and then the works of Jesus were completed on the cross, and you got to deal with that. Yep, he loves a person you can't stand just as much as he loves you. For we know, chapter 5, verse 1, we know that if our earthly house, this tent, our bodies, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For he, for we who are in this tent groan, there's a groaning again, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So the Spirit empowers us to go through tough times, go through injustice, empowers us to do the right thing so that he gets all the glory. Verse 6, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. So until I go home, I want to please the Lord. Verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. One day we're going to stand before him. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I trust are well known to your consciences. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word would bring life and that I wouldn't say anything that is not the truth. In Jesus' name, help the truth to take root in our lives and bear fruit. Amen. Amen. Look back at chapter 4, 
verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. So we speak out of faith because we know the future. Now, what's ironic about this verse is he quotes Psalm 116. When David wrote, I believe, therefore I spoke, he wasn't speaking in faith. Look at Psalm 116. We'll start at verse 3. Talking about how he's feeling prophetically. The pains of death surrounded me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Who knows he was going through something tough. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. That was his prayer. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Speaking to his own soul. For you, speaking to the Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. So he's speaking words of faith as a result of him approaching God, crying out for help. God gives him assurance, fresh grace. I'm going to walk in the land of the living. And then he confesses something that Paul uses conversely or the opposite of, of how he was saying it. Verse 10, I believed, therefore I spoke. And here's two things he said. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. You ever tempted, are you ever tempted to exaggerate when you're hurt? Everybody is a sinner. Well, they are. And thank God for his righteousness. Who's thankful for that? So I believed. He believed that he was afflicted. He believed that everyone was liars. Therefore, he said it. But we believe, and therefore we speak, we speak based on what we believe. Christ is our resurrection. And we've been called to live in light of his grace. And he goes on says, I believe, therefore I spoke, I'm greatly affected, affect, afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? He doesn't feel that way anymore. I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord, now in the presence of, of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. What's the prophetic significance of that? When we die, we go to be with him, right? Oh, so precious, you died, you came home. I believe this is when the saints come to the place of laying down their life, willing to allow their selfishness to die. This is a precious thing to the Lord. And David is dying. Oh, Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed the bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. This is Biosphere 2. 
It has quite an interesting history. You can find it online. I won't belabor the, the history, dates, and all that, but uh, I will highlight two things about its history. One is they attempted to do two missions on this. A team of eight people locked themselves in this place with no outside intervention, no supplies or anything like that. That was their goal. Both times they didn't make it. And they discovered this artificial environment trying to reproduce all the things that Earth has environmentally. They couldn't reproduce wind. So the trees in this thing grew up rather scraggly, inferior, very breakable, not very bendable, weak, unable to stay rooted or grounded. And it's discovered apparently trees need the resistance of wind to help develop the quality of a tree. Does that preach or what? If you and I live a life with no resistance, we become spoiled brats. No strength. Jellyfish. Even jellyfish have a thick skin, thick enough to be able to float around. And boy, can they bite. Also discovered at this, humans don't get along. The first mission, eight people divided into two factions. Angry at one another. Disagreeing on how to do things. Disagreeing on how to make decisions. To the point they endangered the mission. The second mission they did didn't make it 10 months. It got so ugly. In fact, the story I read today, some of them returned after the mission and vandalized the place. Who's heard of Steve Bannon? He somehow got involved in the, in the uh, conflict and cursed a woman out. Called her a bimbo and some other choice words. Why? People don't want to lay down their lives for others. People want to be on top. People want their opinions to reign supreme. People don't want to do things as simple as flip a coin to settle a dispute like the Bible says to do. People, people, these are educated people asking like this. They're scientists. Read it. Check it out for yourself. Maybe you'll find out some more information that is a, a demonstration of the need for humanity to lay down their life for others. Maybe you've been living a self-willed life. How's it working for you? Let's look at some of the points we saw in our text today. There are times when living life God's way, spreading the gospel, doing what he's called you to do, is tough. We can be hard-pressed on every side. You know, getting into the front, getting in the back, getting into the side. But we're not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Difficult times do not have to demolish our faith. It all depends on how you look at it. Is this all there is? Is this define everything in your life? Because this connects to something that happened in your childhood, now you're going to just allow it to be the final word? Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Dying to self will manifest Christ through us. Now, this isn't some weird new age thing. I'm going to manifest Christ. No, this is becoming Jesus in the situation and being willing to let your will die to show God's love is what matters most. 
We are always, he said, carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. The life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. Death to selfishness is to be a constant reality. We who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. This is a walk. Maybe you're in conflict with people. Do you always have to win every single argument? Do you always have to have the final say? Or are you willing just to say, it's okay. Jesus said, agree quickly with your adversary. Paul wrote, as much as depends upon you, walk in peace with all men. Be willing to die. Being willing to die releases another to live. Well, they always win. Well, let them. For the sake of the kingdom, not just for the sake of peace, but for the sake of the kingdom, what is most important? Death works in us, but life works in you. Somebody's got to serve. Somebody's got to lay down their life for others. Our government is called public servants, are they not? They are called to lay down their life for others. Originally, they were just to come and serve a season and go back to their farms, laying down their life for us. Boy, have we come a long ways. Knowing our future, we must not complain. We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. This is how we should speak. It's not all men are liars and I am afflicted. No. He who raised up Jesus is going to raise me up. The story's not over. So as the spiritual says, don't wait till the battle's over. Shout now. <laughs> Get that eternal perspective. It is important to not neglect our inward renewal. This is so important. Therefore, he said, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Paul was a man of prayer. He prayed in the Holy Ghost. He's, he, one place he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. I speak in tongues more than you all. What is he doing? He's being renewed through prayer. He was a man of the scriptures. He was a man of fellowship. He's being renewed, not being coddled, not being sympathized with, but being renewed. May God help us be people of compassion and not just sympathy. Why? Sympathy doesn't go far enough. It leaves a person in their suffering. It leaves a person in their stink. Whereas compassion is sympathy accompanied by a strong desire to relieve the pain of another and to remove the cause. Have a baby with a messy diaper, eventually that baby's gonna feel discomfort and begin to scream. So just to hold that baby, rock that baby, oh, that's oh, so sorry, you don't feel good, and not wash that baby, that is not compassion. And brothers and sisters, we wanna be a place where it's safe for people to come to us with their hurts and we not pounce on them and rebuke them immediately. But having empathized, having sympathized at some point, at some point, we've got to share the truth. 
you know, our crucifixion has been arranged. This is an opportunity to show your wife the love of Christ. Opportunity to show your husband the love of Jesus. Why am I so passionate? Because I've tasted the love of Jesus through my wife laying down her life for me, and vice versa. It works. It's awesome. But it's important in the midst of our battles to be renewed, to pray, to give thanksgiving to the Lord, to read the Scriptures. The darkest hours of my life, years ago, a Dallas Theological Seminary student gave me a devotional that changed my world. Oswald Chambers' book, My Utmost for His Highest. A guy that gave his life for the cause of missions in North Africa wrote his thoughts. There's enough pages there to last the year. It's awesome. Join near to God. Holding to the truth that's not popular, but it is the truth. We must know that our earthly pains are temporary. Temporary. This isn't all there is. We're going somewhere in this thing. It will be worth it all. Verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, When this earthly tent we live in is taken down, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself. So if you don't like how God made you, just hold on and shine your light anyway better bodies coming. Amen? We look forward to being with Jesus forever. We are confident. Yes, well, please, verse 8, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So when we die, it's bye-bye body, it's hello Jesus. But right now, we're not present with him in, the, in that sense, but we are with him in this body, and we express his life by laying down our life for others. We live in a culture that is so self-centered, it's amazing. People are outraged about the dumbest things when they're not seeing the opportunity to minister to a hurting person. I can't believe my waitress sucks. Well, you don't know what she's going through. You don't know. And why would you want to uh, dispense justice to a person who deserves it when they're handling your food. Hello. <laughs> and finally, his pleasure, not our own, should be our aim. It's his pleasure, it's not mine. It's his glory that this thing is about. Now, sometimes the blessing of hard times is sometimes we don't have a choice. We got to run to the cross in time of need, we got to go to the throne in the time of need to the great high priest who's able to empathize with our weaknesses because he was tempted in all points like as we are. Lord, I'm being slandered. He knows what that, that's like. I'm being abandoned. He knows, he knows what that's like. I'm being killed. I'm being tortured. I've been robbed. He knows what that's like. And he's able to help us. But what we're talking about is going beyond that and looking for an opportunity to give your life for the benefit of someone. We make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. One day we're going to stand before him and we want him, we want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. How do you like your steaks? I've heard some say, I like mine well done. Well, how does the Lord like his servants? 
He likes them well done. That explains some of the fire you've been going through. <laughs> One day we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to all that he has done, whether it be good or bad. We're going to answer to the Lord. Thank God for grace. Amen? Amen. But that's not an excuse to be a slacker. You want to hear well done, do you not? Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. God is fearsome. Thank God he was manifest in the flesh in his son through Jesus to show us his heart. But in his reality, those men that have seen him fall to the ground like dead men. They are so terrified. He is worthy of all respect and all worship that creation can do its best to create. And even then, that does not scratch the surface of how awesome he is. And nothing passes his gaze. Therefore, putting our trust in our awesome God, we should be willing to suffer for him, to see his kingdom advance. We are made manifest to God, or we're well known to God, and I trust are also manifest or made well known to your consciences. Do our lives challenge others do likewise. Are we able, like Paul, to say, follow Christ, follow me as I follow Christ? Or are we covered in everything? We got ourselves protected doctrinally, and we got ourselves protected theologically, and we've got ourselves protected technologically and financially. And then the Lord says, uh, I want you to do this, and it it doesn't match your systems of thought. Are you willing to obey him? Are we living to die? Or are we dying to live? Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that my brothers and sisters who are hurting right now through injustice or some other circumstance in their life, I pray, Lord, that they would Look to you for opportunities to express your love while at the same time standing for what is right. Give them wisdom in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for those of us that, have, that are very comfortable living in our comfort zones and we are telling you no to things that you're calling us to do because we don't want to be inconvenienced. Help us, Lord, to be yes people. Yes to you. Jesus' name, amen. I used to sing a song when I want to draw near to the Lord that he gave me. It goes like this. My life is yours to have. I give it unto you. Released from my own grasp, I give it unto you. And I rest in your hands. I rest in your hands. I rest in your hands. My life is in your hands. The great paradox of the Christian life 
is our victory is released by our surrender. Surrender to the call of God. Give your children to the Lord. Do what he's called you to do and trust him. I end with this little story. We hadn't been in Granbury a couple years. We'd bought our home. Our daughter was a student at Granbury High School and joined a, a club. One of these charitable organizations that we have in our city had a club for boys and a club for girls. It was awesome. She went to one of their conferences. She learned goal setting. She learned things she used to this day. Her second year being part of the club, she was voted in as president. And one of the mamas of one of the club members wasn't having it and appealed to higher powers because she wanted her daughter to be able to run for election. The way the rules were, she wasn't able to run. She got approved so her daughter could run for election. So she had, as Summer Joyce said, I got impeached, Daddy. Had the election made null and void and then helped her daughter give a speech where she promised the students the world. They're going to have a magazine and they're going to do this. Stuff they never did, but she won the election. My daughter was crushed. Crushed. I was furious. So I went to the high school. I'm going to set some people straight, right? It was a day, it was good, I didn't have any weapons. So. <laughs> went to see the principal. You go to the top, right? Secretaries wouldn't let me see him. In fact, they told me I couldn't see him until after the Christmas holidays, so it would be over a month later. He was that booked. So they pawned me off to an assistant principal. Who knows, those are the guys that really do the dirty work. And after I had my say, he explained to me very gently, the school really allows the clubs to meet. The clubs have a teacher sponsor, but that's it. We really don't have any say-so in this. So I had to leave, frustrated, feeling emasculated, undervalued, and wanting my daughter to quit the club. She didn't want to quit. If I forced her to, I think I would have crippled her emotionally. Who knows where she would be today? But she learned resilience. She learned endurance. She learned to hold her head up. She learned to take her troubles to the Lord. I couldn't spare her this suffering. The next year, she had been promised, next year you can become the representative, regional representative for these clubs throughout this region. I don't know how big the region was. So she was really looking forward to that because she had a lot of respect for the girl that had that position. Well, the next year came, and I don't know if there was too much drama amongst the, amongst the parents, all I did was that one thing. I really didn't have anybody to apologize to. But they merged the boys and the girls clubs. And the position she was promised dissolved. And she didn't want to run for president again. But she continued to stay. All right. Here's the other side of that. Dad got over it. She grew through it. And that girl became such a giant killer. I could go on for a few minutes just bragging about her. But I'm not going to do that. It helped her experienced crucifixion, and come out the other side. And so when she would face opposition, it wouldn't slow her down. She'd just keep on going. One time she said, Dad, it seems like every school I go to, and she went to several, is under construction, always under construction. I said, baby, it's a metaphor for your life. You're under construction, and it's never pretty. Hallelujah. So no matter where you're at in life, remember the lesson of this song we're about to sing. About being in the waiting. That while you're waiting for the answer to come, while you're waiting for the prayers 
answers to be manifested, while you're standing in faith for maturity or healing or whatever, God is present with you and His grace is sufficient because He is in the waiting.